Hello out there, world. Welcome to episode 20 of the Modern Educator Podcast. This is your host, Corey Brown. And here I am today, joined by my good friend, Brittany Marcella. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, Brittany, it's so good to finally get you here into the recording studio. So, uh, yeah. Brittany, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the world, especially your background as an educator. Okay, so, hi, world. I'm Brittany, and I am a high school counselor. Um, I've been, this is my sixth year as a high school counselor. Um, been at the same high school the entire time. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. What more, what more is there to know? Well, I know that some schools counselors specialize in like counseling seniors or counseling mm-hmm. freshmen. I know that's how my current school does it, but, uh, we used to work together at Rancho yeah. High School and at Rancho you kind of follow the same kids over a, a four-year block. Yep, it's one of the coolest things about the job, I would say. So when I first started, I had freshmen, and then I followed them all the way up to them when they graduated, which was the coolest experience ever. Um, and then I had freshmen, freshmen last year, and now I have 10th graders again. So I'll just keep following them up till they graduate, and then we cycle back every four years. Yeah, and and so uh, and of the strategy that you do at Rancho versus strategy we do at Desert Oasis, I'm, I'm assuming you're probably biased to your strategy of following the kids all four years. But wouldn't there be maybe some challenges where you like, now you have to kind of train yourself in helping the freshmen and train yourself in getting them into college? and Yeah, I would say, so I love following them all four years, but when I first started, I didn't love that. <laughs> yes. When I first started, I wanted to know everything and like interact with all different students. Um, now I understand the benefit. Follow, we follow them up because then we are... We get to know our kids so well because they're the only thing we're focusing on and no grade is forgotten in that sense because every every counselor is like assigned one grade so we can focus on that one specific grade really get to know our kids know the ins and outs of that grade which is important in ccsd because everything changes like year to year <laughs> you like, got that oh, right new graduation requirements here we go just tossed out of nowhere um so i think there's like obviously a strong benefit from sticking with your grade but then on the other hand it's there's drawbacks because you have to relearn everything every single year so like right now if you ask me stuff about seniors i'm like i don't kind of know their graduation (laughs) requirements but like their graduation requirements are going to be are different than when my kids graduate like already that's in place that that's different so if i had to like step in and fill in for senior counselors i can kind of do it but it's like uh, i kind of need like a cheat sheet with me or something and this year you're currently dealing with sophomores yes i have 10th graders right now Yes, because I remember when when we aligned, because I mostly taught sophomores, and two years yeah. ago you had the council or the sophomore batch. You know, it was just like hanging out. We had a lot of similar students, and we yep. talked about issues they were experiencing, and that was that was really cool. It's where we vibed for sure. Yeah, no all doubt. The, all the shared the same problems, same <laughs> victories. <laughs> yep, oh, there there were some interesting kids back then. Um, okay, so Brittany, what would you say is your sort of philosophy as a counselor? How do you, how do you take on this job? Um, I feel like that's a big question. Uh, so sorry if I answer it simply, but I feel like my philosophy as a counselor is just that like every single student is an individual and all of them matter and you have to just meet them where they are. Um, so not like pushing my expectations or, you know, like, what I would, yeah, just pushing my expectations on a student or comparing them to other students, but just really meeting each student where they are and uh, finding the best plan for them. Um, 
yeah, because they not every student's the same, and they don't all need the same things in life or have the same goals in life. And I think that it's very important that we acknowledge that and uh, and yeah, help them be their best selves, whatever that looks like. Okay, and and so kind of building off that question, uh, with without sharing direct student names. Um, what are some of your best successes you've had? Um, I mean, as a counselor, obviously our goal is to get all our kids to graduate. So that's just like anytime you can like an inspire a kid that way and, and just seeing them graduate is amazing. It's awesome. So like I said, like when I followed my seniors up the first time, um, just watching them graduate was like amazing. So that in itself was like a huge success to see all of my students almost all of them. There was a few who didn't make it, but to see them graduate was great. But um, I'm a pretty simple person, so I feel like my biggest or like favorite moments as a counselor, whatever biggest successes are the kids who don't think they can make it. And a lot of times it's not even like a big thing I've done, but just, just being that like encouraging, supportive person in there, like even if it's just, to me, it's so obvious. You know, one time I had a student who was like, totally didn't think he could graduate at all and he was like let's be real miss like I'm, I'm not gonna graduate and I just was like what are you talking about like you totally have time to do this like Come on, four credits you yeah, can like, do it you're running out of time but like if we just kind of started working on this now you'd be fine it's, I mean, it's no big deal because it's it's the math that's right there in yeah. front of him but like I will never forget that kid he immediately just like broke out in tears and said like no one has ever told him that he could do it before and he's never had somebody support him in that way and so stories like that are are my favorite because for me it's like nothing I didn't bust out amazing counselor skills that I learned in school or theories or anything like that it's just like being a human uh you know meeting them on that human level and it's so impactful to them so that's probably one of my favorite favorite little counselor stories yeah and like when I was in middle school and high school, I'm sure I had a counselor, but I was, I don't know, my parents got on me so much. I always got A's and B's that I think the counselor probably looked at my name, looked at my transcript and was like, Corey's figured it out. He's fine. Same. I was but, the same way. But when I was in college, I started as a computer science major and that really wasn't working out for me. And then I switched into the business major and I actually, uh, at UC Santa Barbara, you had to take these seven business major classes and get a 3.0 GPA my GPA was 2.98 and so they actually kicked me out of the business major and it was my third year of college and I had this crisis of it's like what am I going to do with my life and I went to the student services section and I met with this counselor who was this he was just the coolest African-American dude he was just so suave he wore like he wore like a a hat with a feather in it And, uh, and and I met with him and I I sort of like was in this almost panic mode where I was like, I think I'm screwed. Like, I I need to choose a new major. I only have two more years. All those business classes and computer science classes I took were a waste of my time. And he sits me down and just, I remember this so well, he calms me down and is like, you are fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got so many options, so many choices. And we talked it out. And through him, I ultimately decided to be a history teacher. Yeah. And here I am today. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, to him, that's probably like a simple conversation of just, hey, take a breath, buddy. Yeah. Like, But sometimes you need that. You need someone to just say, hold on, like pump the brakes. <laughs> Everything's okay. Um, so, yeah, it's cool to be that person. 
and in college too that's that's super cool i yeah. i interned as an advisor in college and it was super fun oh. i loved it just did, did you did note. you have some similar experiences with freaked out college freshmen and sophomores not too many a lot of them were mad honestly it was what people were always i felt like everyone was always like angry that their requirements weren't aligning with how they wanted to but um that's okay it was fun though i really liked it so hmm. it's a okay. good time second career maybe well and have you ever had a kid at rancho who maybe you looked at the transcript and the kid was just like i don't know think things looked bad but through your skills as a counselor you got him back on the right track. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say that probably happens frequently. I don't want to say like, oh, it's all my amazing skills <laughs> or anything like that, because I, I don't think my skills are, are that amazing, really. But I mean, yeah, I think a lot of times we just we reroute students and, and sometimes it's even just pointing them in different directions for different opportunities to to get back on track that they would have never known existed or sometimes that teachers don't know so it's sometimes we just kind of have to be that person in the middle to plug them into whatever they need to um as far as like fully motivating them like i gave like some life-changing speech or something like no i don't think that's really me (laughs) but then again that's kind of like the cool thing about being a counselor is because you never know what sticks with them like i will never know if a student like 10 years down the road, like thinks back to a conversation we'll ha- we have, you know, unless that student really reaches out, which is not like the most common thing that happens, right? Like I will never, ever know. And some students do reach out. Some students like come way later and, and say they remember stuff or thank you. And that's always awesome. But I kind of think it's cool that you never, you never really know the impact. Well, and I, I can relate to that. Like I had a conversation recently with a former student and I don't know, in the conversation I was like, so what was, you know, the favorite thing you remember from my class? And the kid's like, the lesson you did about the crusades. And I was like, well, that was a cool lesson, but it's not even in my top 10. Like, I don't, I don't think it was that great, but the kid, it really meshed with them. So right on. Um, Okay, so uh, another question for you. Uh, have you ever had any, I, I, I don't want to quite call them failures, but let's call them learning moments as a counselor that reflecting on it now, maybe you could have done yes. things differently. Yes, I'm majorly shaking my head over here because 100% <laughs> that happens far too often, I feel like. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, like, and especially in the online world now that we're virtual, oh. I feel like that has made things a lot harder, so... I mean, just like, uh, I don't know, like two weeks ago, a student got really, really mad at me and just straight up said they didn't want to talk to me anymore. So I would consider that a failure. The student does still talk to me, so he, he got over That's it. Um, but that was a major failure. And it's it was just sometimes as a counselor, I feel like you have to kind of push the limit because you're trying to get students to see different ways of thinking about their situations, right? Or like, I don't want to say like pointing out their like flaws in thinking but like you're kind of saying like okay let's let's be rational yeah let's yeah. be more rational about this situation um so i had a student who was kind of a doom and gloom student like oh my gosh this is terrible everything's over blah 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 so i kind of like just nudged a question to call him out on it and uh it, he didn't appreciate it and it didn't help that it was virtual and the student was talking to me via hangouts which makes things way harder because i can't judge his tone and he can't judge mm. mine because we're typing so i i think yeah, it was kind of like a risky moment in, in me getting him to try and see what I was seeing in the situation, but I think it would have been way better had it been in person. Yeah, and you could get would, that emotional yeah, understanding. and then he could see my tone that I wasn't just trying to be like, well, 
this is dumb or whatever. You know, I'm trying to be like, no, like here I have the compassion in my tone. I'm not just kind of calling you out on it. Um, so yeah, that was a fail. And, and when that happens, I think, you know, how I handled that with that student and times it's happened in the past, you just kind of own it. You know, I'm not going to be like, well, fine. I'm not going to talk to you either. You know, like screw you, you lost your counselor privileges. Yeah. Have fun picking your classes without me. <laughs> no, you know, I just like, he told me how he felt and I was like, okay, I totally understand your side. And I apologize for like overstepping a boundary. And, um, you know, then of course, just like checked in with him again with, with a boundary. And, and now, now we're okay. I think maybe have to build up the trust just a little bit there and continue building that rapport. But I think you got to own that. And that's also modeling behavior for when they make mistakes, like model how to handle that situation with them instead of me just being bitter, like fine, you know? So there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of counseling failures, I feel like. Okay. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want this to be the Britney's failure podcast, yeah, just but, keep them going. Yeah. but, but if there's more learning moments you'd like to share, anything pre pandemic comes pre-pandemic. to your mind? Pandemic. Um, Trying to think of specifics. I mean, a lot of, so a lot of stuff that comes to mind is, yeah, just like overstepping with a student and Mm. making them mad, which every time that's happened, it has never been major that the student like never returns. Like, I feel like they've always gone back and like thought about it and been like, okay, like I can see what she was saying, but then it's just a lesson to me to be careful with how I approach things. Um, and then outside of it, outside of like the actual counseling conversations, of course, there's always mistakes in like scheduling and paperwork. And that's just like, well, I need to pay attention more, you know, when you mess up a kid's schedule and screw them out of a math credit. Whoops. Like that's <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That's really bad. Um, but yeah, so there's mistakes like that, too. And it's just like, OK, you need to be intentional and present with every student in everything, not just the conversations, but even their plans and things like that, because that affects the rest of their lives in a sense. It's not that dramatic if they miss a math credit, but at the same time, like to them, it feels like it is. So, um, yeah, I try to be very intentional. That's always my goal. Like every day I try to like set my head right be like, okay, to be intentional, purposeful, focused with every single student, even if they're driving you crazy, whatever. So, wow. I, I don't have that mentality. Like sometimes it's like, I mean, look, I, I aspire to treat all my students with total equity and equality. And, and th- this was my, this was my mentality that, that I, I don't know, this is my philosophy. Try every, try with every student every day. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'll go up to the kid and I'll be like, John, you know, get, take or put your phone away. And if John doesn't put his phone away, well, you know what? I tried with John. Yeah. I tried with him that one day. Um, and I'll try with every kid one time. But after that, I got I have 45 kids in the room. Yeah. I got to focus on other kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, along with this failure, the failure thing, I mean, you know, as a teacher, you, you try new strategies when you're teaching. So it's the same thing with counseling. It's just like my strategy like affects his whole entire mood and emotional state, you know? So it's the same thing. And it would probably be the same thing you do, you know? If you'd give a bad lesson, you, like, go back after class, and you're like, oh, shoot, okay, that didn't work. Let me uh, recalculate how I'm going to address this next time. But it's the same thing. It's just, you know, and then your kids come back, and they don't hate you for their terrible lesson or whatever. But it's just like, okay, well, that was a flop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's It's a challenge. 
Um, okay, so Brittany, do you do anything unique as a counselor? Is there any anything that you would say defines you as opposed to other counselors? Um, I don't know. I'd say it's like makes me stand out amongst all other counselors, but I just think the thing that makes any counselor stand out is just their individual personalities, you know? Like it's not a huge thing I do differently I think like as a school and as a department we do a lot of things really really well and that's probably different than some other counseling departments just how well we work together and the different opportunities we have and resources we have for our students um and our philosophy with students because I would say my department is has a similar philosophy that I shared earlier but I think with being a counselor it's just like you have to be so much like your personality has to come out so much in the job because you're just building rapport with students Mm. and that is either like a huge strong suit for someone or not so much for other ones because the whole thing about being a counselor is you need to be like this warm kind of approachable person um which i feel like works in my favor a lot of times (laughs) so yay that's that's a plus but i don't know as far as anything like unique and special I don't know. Sorry, I don't have a great answer for that question. That's fine. And I'll I'll tell you, like, there were times when students came to me with some really, like, heavy stuff that ultimately resulted in CPS calls. Yeah. And my first intention was, like, well, obviously I you know, did call CPS and some stuff, but then later I talked to the kids, like, hey, do you ever talk to your counselor about this stuff? And it's like, oh, Mr. Brown, I don't like my counselor. Mm-hmm. I don't have a relationship with my counselor. And it's like, oh, I kind of kind of feel like that's more of their neck of the woods than my neck of the woods. Yeah. But, but I'll take on that role if I have to. Right. Absolutely. And that's hard. Like, And I think students a lot of times feel more comfortable with their teachers because they see them every day. So like naturally, you kind of have this better rapport when you see someone every single day. Whereas me, I have like 400 students, so I, I cannot see them every day. It's yeah. just impossible. Um But that's where it comes down to like being intentional with your students. And what I used to do is like just anything you can do to make it seem like your student is important to you and you know them is so important. So like me, I used to do, I don't do it this year because of pandemic and it was just hard to keep up with, but I used to send them candy on their birthday. So every time it was their birthday, send them candy. And by the time they were seniors, I think they were like, this is dumb, miss. But like... But hey, that was my way of saying like, hey, no, but like I know you and I'm acknowledging you. And every time you see them in the hallway, same with being a teacher, you know, use their names, call to refer to them as actual people. And um, sometimes I try and make notes of like unique things they may share with me. So next time they come in, I can like bring that stuff up. Like if a student says she loves Harry Potter or whatever, the next time they're there, I'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, I watched Harry Potter yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Which one was your favorite movie, you know, and stuff like that. Um, which is cool. And that helps. Like I have a student right now who, because of conversations we've had, we were talking about like Marvel movies for a long time, just trying to build rapport. And now the student was silent with me. Like she was silent, would not give me anything until I started talking about movies. And even then she was like quiet. And I was like trying really hard, but now she sends me memes to share her emotions with me. Like she won't be super open about it. Like she won't be like, Oh, I'm having a really hard time, but she'll send me like a silly meme that explains the emotion. And I'm like, okay, cool, like, I'll take it. Kids are surprisingly down with that. Yeah. Uh, other teachers during the pandemic have told me they have kids post a meme for their day. Yeah. And it's really insightful, surprisingly. Uh-huh, it is. Like, I love it. And I would not be against, like, having telling my other students to do that if they're 
struggling to express how they're actually feeling like yeah send me a meme let me see it cool yeah. then i get more insight to you and you kind of like your sense of humor which is nice well and and a, a strategy that i have to to build rapport with students is it's it, it you as a student can know if you're fully ingrained in mr brown's class is when i assign you a nickname Okay. And usually my nicknames are related to where the student is from or where they like really want to go to college or something like that. Or it's related to a interest that they have made known to the class. Like there's a girl in one of my classes this year. I call her Hermione because she loves Harry Potter. Yeah. There's a girl who's from Canada. I call her Canada. There's a girl from Wyoming. I call her Wyoming. And if ever a kid is offended or upset by one of my nicknames, I'll obviously take it back. Mm -hmm. um, but kids like they own that mm -hmm. and uh like other kids in the class also call them the nickname and they they really yeah. get that vibe like oh i'm important i matter here and surprisingly enough it's working in the online setting maybe even better than the in-person setting mm -hmm. um because you know it's like hey what's up canada and then you know kids type in the chat yeah. oh yeah get all things that are cool yeah, I think that's awesome. I feel like above all else, like kids want to be known. Like that's just, yeah. but don't we all like as people, we just want to be known. Like we want to be seen and if you can find little things to kind of make it personal. Yeah, like that's the most important thing and build that relationship. So that's fun. I feel like I would be too afraid to just start assigning them nicknames. I'd be like, oh shoot, they're going to get mad at me. But uh, props to you. I feel like that's like it fits your personality better yeah. than mine, which is like, there's times where a kid's like, Mr. Brown, I don't really want to be called that. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, you're, just kidding. You're, you're John again. Fine. You know, yeah. back, back to where you were. Um, all right. And uh, uh, what's can you share a story with a student, you know, confidently you made a big difference with? I mean, yeah, if I, I'm trying to think if there's like any unique experience or, or one, something that was like just really, really different or out there. But a lot of times it's just the simple ones. Like I um, had a student who recently reached out. She was one of my, she was supposed to be one of my grads last time I had seniors and whatnot, but she actually ended up dropping out. Um, which is odd because now I'm using her as the example of like, I know I made an impact on this student. Um, sounds bad, but she's doing great now. Well, it, it, but, isn't that the goal sometimes? Like, Yeah, like, but her, like, and it's not a profound story, but this was a student who had like a really rough background. Her her dad, what she just lived with her dad. It was her and her dad. And he was like a crazy alcoholic and who knows what else he was addicted to and he would basically just like abandon her for days at a time and she would have no idea where he is and uh she was like homeless and it was a whole thing she was just bouncing back and forth and like for that student like we had a really really good relationship and um you know I would check in with her constantly like almost daily making sure that she was safe and where she was and at the same time like helping her get back on track with her credits and for her, it was, it was fortunate. I was fortunate because she was like pretty motivated. So it wasn't like hard to convince her that school was important, but still just like leading her in all the right directions and making sure she had every resource she needed and, um, being the person to like hear all her story and listen to it, um, was awesome. And I know, I know that impacted her. I know that she felt that school was her safe place, um, partly because of her teachers too, but also partly because in my office, she felt that she could share whatever the heck 
was going on in her life and that it was going to be a safe spot for her to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, again, like I said, eventually she did end up having to drop out because she just moved around so much. Um, but she just recently reached back out to me and, you know, now she, she got her diploma from adult ed. Um, you know, she... Okay, there's a success right there. Exactly, you know? yeah. So she got her diploma from adult ed. She just got it a little later because she's been working because she it's by herself. She doesn't have her parent. Um, but she reached out and she was just like, hey, asking me to write a letter of recommendation for her. She's applying to college, um, you know, and shared that with me that she's choosing me because I'm like the only person who knows her story and knows what she's been through and has like supported her through all that. So um, like it's a simple thing, but hey, like that's impactful that she's reaching out to me years later saying, hey, you're the only person who like actually knows what happened in my life, like knows what I've gone through. So I've feel like if you're the only person who knows somebody's story then like that's pretty meaningful at least it was to me yeah no doubt no and back at rancho like it would be so rare for me to ever leave like what because rancho school ended at two Two. and uh it would be so rare for me to leave any time before four because it would just be a revolving door of kids Mm -hmm. and i was there to help kids with their work their homework test corrections but so much of the time was just He's just hanging out with Mr. Brown, just just vibing, and you know, plenty of times it was, Mr. Brown, what should I do after high school? And I, I had this poster map in the back of my room, which was like, do you want to go to college? Here's how you do it. You apply. You do this. You know, and and I was I was always down to help kids. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just something in my soul that I'm I'm yeah. I'm inspired to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's fun it's fun to help them like it's hard like not gonna lie it's hard when they don't want to be helped for sure like that is exhausting and and just it's a lot to deal with when the kids are stubborn and don't see how education would benefit them at all but when they do it's so fun to just like help put the piece because it's already them right and you're just helping like put those pieces together to find what they actually want to do or what they're passionate about and to tell them that whatever that is like is okay like yeah because a lot of them i feel like think they have to go to college and do a certain thing or think they can't go to college or, or do a certain thing and you get to be the person to be there to just be like no you can like that's a that's a good idea for you like awesome support it so well and when i was in high school i know that the message that our school really emphasized was every single person is going to college yeah is that a message that you're inspired to pronounced no no i don't i mean i think college is great college is awesome there's obviously tons of benefits for it but i do not think college is for every person i think college is honestly for some people would be a waste of time and money um not because they can't be successful in it like that's not what i'm trying to say but some people just want to do different things and i think that's totally fine first for a lot of our students at rancho like a lot of them would prefer to do a trade and i think that's amazing but then also a lot of them have families who already have successful businesses that they're doing like i have a ton of students who always say, who say like miss i need open periods because i work with my dad and we have like um you know a, a tile business or ca- ca- countertops business and he's they like work really hard and they make great money and like some of them are like that's what they want to do and they love it. And I like, who am I to say, no, that's wrong. You need to go to college. You know, if that's successful and it's working for your family and you're providing a good life for yourself and you love it right on. That's awesome. Yeah. Get your diploma just in case you want to do something else for sure. Get through it. But like I a hundred percent support that if you already have this whole vision for your life and it seems feasible, why not? 
now when you come up and tell me you're going to be a rapper, like, <laughs> maybe I'm a little more like, that's great. I love it. Rap something for me. Let's make sure you're serious and you can. Uh, but still, like, let's always have a plan B. But, uh, you know, I'll still support it. I'm not about to crush a kid's dreams. <laughs> yeah, but and, and you were telling me that you actually, the, the kid that drives you the most crazy is the kid that has no idea. The kid that just has never even put the thought into what is my life after high school? Mm-hmm. Do you want to do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that is what drives me crazy. Uh, yeah, that is. I would say that is the hardest thing to deal with because some of our kids just have no concept of of anything outside their right here and right now, and anything outside of like their neighborhood. Um, and that is so hard to deal with because you try to explain like, man, the world is huge and there's so much that you could do. Um, and so much, just, just so much diversity and you're just sitting in here thinking none, none of it matters and, you know, stuck in your own way without even a desire to, to see what other options are out there. And that drives me nuts the absolute most. You are correct. Cause it's so hard to change the pattern of thinking mm. with that, um, you know, and those are the times I try and go to like every counseling tactic in the book. But then when it comes down to it is like, I can't change a person. And so many times those kids just need to grow. Like they just need to learn and they need to grow. And many of those times in my past, those students have come back when they're seniors or, you know, maybe they've left and come back, had some other experience. And they, they have told me several of them have said, I know you were right. Like I should have listened to you, which is good validation um but also then makes you think like dang how could i get the message clear back then um but yeah that's just the most frustrating thing because they don't want to change because they don't know why why would it matter if they change like what's important so um and with those kids i think it's it's super important to again like meet them where they're at so yes try to encourage them but also you don't want to be that annoying counselor or teacher who's just pushing them to do what they're supposed to do, get their diploma. Cause when they see that as completely pointless and just like the next step thing, then they tune you out when you're pushing that on them. Like you need to, so for those students, a lot of times I try to like encourage for like whatever their goal is or if they have one or just, you know, be like, okay, cool. Well, let's just try and get you through this, you know, without being too pushy. Cause I don't want them to shut me out on it. Um, which is hard. There's like a fine line of how to, like, I don't know. How to motivate like, someone who's unmotivated. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. And I've had other counselors too. They're like, how do you motivate someone unmotivated? And I think all of us are kind of like, we're all just trying to figure that out. Like, yeah. and every single kid is different. I know one kid who, he was a motivated kid. So he's a little different story, but he wasn't motivated in school. And he 100% wanted to drop out. I loved this kid, just to, to say. Like, he was one of my faves. For so, He was just like a good personality uh, but he was like 100% wanted to drop out and it drove me crazy because he was so smart and I knew he was capable and maybe I shouldn't say this on a podcast but I like bribed him with things in his schedule I was straight up like I will bribe you I will give you these open periods I will do this I will switch your classes whatever you need you, you can come and get lunch like, from, my, yeah. from my from my counseling room every do? day yeah which teachers do you want it doesn't matter which I would never do for other students but I was like if that's going to make you not drop out of high school and yeah. you just finished your diploma. I don't care. Bare minimum, even though you are capable of way more. This kid was smart. Um, cool. Just don't drop out, you know. And he agreed and did end up graduating. So wow. I don't feel guilty about it. Um, you broke all the rules. I broke the rules. But hey, the kid got his diploma. So I feel like it was worth it. Um, 
but yeah, sometimes you just gotta do things that don't seem like they're maybe the right decisions, but it's right for the kid. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, as a teacher, I do that too. You know, there's plenty of times where I'm like, kids, this is due on Sunday or Mr. Brown will never round grades. But then when it's finally like, you know, the kid turns in on Monday and it's like, I got to be a little lenient, you know, and then the kid gets an 89.99. I'm like, well, I got to give this kid an A. Yeah, because as an educator, like we're all bleeding hearts for our students pretty much. And I mean, we have standards like you still got to do something. Right. But then when a kid comes up to you and tells you what happened, you're just like, oh, oh, my heart, I want to help you. Fine. okay, just don't tell anybody about it. Which I tell into my students way too often, probably. <laughs> well, and and in my classroom at Rancho, I had this prize box that had you know bags of chips and sodas and yeah. stuff. And also, uh, it was it was not uncommon at Rancho for a kid to come into my classroom and it'd be like, "Mr. Brown, I'm really hungry. I didn't eat breakfast today. I you know don't have the lunch money or something." And and I would have like a stash of like great value pop tarts just for that express purpose mm-hmm. because if a kid's too hungry to think or focus then oh, there you go absolutely um, but the problem was there was this one girl who then started to go to me every single day and i knew that she was a magnet kid and she was of a higher economic uh, status and i was like you, you, she gotta, just wants you, a snack. you gotta bring your own lunch but yeah. but yeah no it's that's that's my bleeding heart right there yeah that I was, well and that's a huge thing in our school i mean I have food up in, in my office too. And in our, in our back room, we have food, we have hygiene products, we have everything. So if a student comes in and they have any problem, I'm like, I got you. Got Don't you. you worry. Like, Solve it. Yeah. Which is cool about our school that we have so much for our students. We have so many resources for them, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, in uh, the south part of Las Vegas, uh, at the higher socioeconomic school, we have less resources. Yeah. Uh, but they probably are still needed here and there. Well, yeah, yeah, no, there's plenty of times I wish I had some yeah. of the resources at Desert Oasis that I had at Rancho, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you got, got that Title I money. Yeah, yeah, so. we got all the stuff. We got all the little perks of, I don't know if that is a good thing or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> We're so poor, we get we money get, from the federal government. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to have because our kids need it. So. Oh yeah, no, like it's it. I I don't disagree with the concept. Yeah, I think it's that's fine. We were just giving out food to the families uh, last week, which was awesome. They had a whole little drive-by thing, and we had boxes of food, which was super fun. Uh, put it in the back of their car with our gloves on. We're social distance. We're being safe, but yeah, it's cool to get to do that kind of stuff and. As long as they're appreciative of it, because sometimes they're not, and that's always really hard too. But um, yeah, it's fun. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, why don't we now kind of deep dive into some current issues in the world of education? Um, we've, we've brought up some of our experiences in the pandemic thus far. Uh, this podcast is being recorded two days before CCST high schools go back to some version of in-person yeah. learning. So this is a, this is a period of transition. And I know you've had a lot of meetings and stuff about what this uh, this you upcoming sure period have. is going to look like. Um, but let, let's first just talk about motivation some more because I'm pretty sure it's public knowledge that uh, CCSD schools this year are failing far more students than before. Um, a lot less students are enrolled in CCSD. Mm-hmm. There's in, in so many regards, online learning isn't doing it. It's not working, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... I'll argue from the teacher side of things that I think it largely has to do with student motivation. 
Um, I can cite some examples of kids that don't have the technological ability to go and attend my classes. I know there are some kids that had internet issues and just didn't have laptops at the beginning. Um, but I think the, the more severe issue is just mom and dad go to work, the kid's at home with the computer, and the kid maybe never logs into class or the kid does log into class on their computer, but then they turn off their microphone, mm -hmm. they turn off their camera, they get out their smartphone and watch TikTok all day. Mm -hmm. So it's, what do you have any thoughts or ideas for how to actually convince kids to be actively engaged and participate in online learning. Uh, I wish I had a magic answer for that. That'd be really helpful in my job. Um, I totally <laughs> agree with you. I 100% agree that that's what's happening. Or students just get really, really overwhelmed. Mm. I think that's the other thing. To me, the two things I see is students just are not motivated to do anything. They sit there and waste their time. Um, or they see everything and then it's like totally doable. Honestly, it's so yeah. doable. But they see it and just... They freeze. Oh, they freak out, freeze, and don't want to do anything. Um, and then with those students, like, I walk them through it. I'm like, are you serious? Like, look, this mm. is this is easy. This assignment, you have to write three sentences, and it's your opinion. Like, come on, guys. You can do this. Um, as far as the students who are not motivated, it's, it's hard. Because I don't know if you have this issue, but, like, I get that. Like, I feel unmotivated, too, sitting at home. Like, so I would sit there Man. and I would, like, level with the students and be like, I get it. I had to put my phone across the room because I'm sitting on it scrolling through social media or whatever. Um, but the students, it's harder because they don't know how to, like, set those boundaries for themselves. Yeah. Um, and I've played far more video games during the pandemic mm -hmm. than any other time in my life. Yeah. And, I mean, I think I'm still being a pretty effective educator, but it just shows you how... Ex how kind of easily distracted I am in this environment. Yeah, exactly. And I think we all are. Like, I struggle with it majorly. So for students who struggle with it, it's hard because they, like me and you know better that we still have to get our job yeah. done. Like, yeah. we're adults. We, we're professionals. We get it. The kids don't or don't mm. know how to navigate it. So how to motivate them is a great question. And if anybody can find the answer, they are going to be a very, very popular person. Um, for me, I just try and help students like learn how to set that boundary with themselves. I tell them like, I put my phone across the room or do stuff in like intervals. Like you don't have to sit in front of your computer for like four hours nonstop doing work. Cause then they do their and they freeze and just end up not doing anything. Like work for 10 minutes, go take a lap yeah. around your house, scroll for five minutes, whatever you got to do. But like, just trying to teach them how to like manage their time and break things up into chunks. Does it really motivate them? I don't know, but it's a time management skill that's beneficial and helpful. So why not try and throw it out there and hope they, they take yeah, hold. I, I don't think it's possible to really teach time management online. Unless if I do something where it's like, you know, the, the first draft of your essay is due Monday and then the second draft is due Wednesday. But then even still the kids, they just won't turn it in on Monday. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll just turn it all in with the final yeah. draft. So well, it's... And same with motivation. Like, everybody is motivated by different things. So yeah. there's no answer to, like, help kids in general how to be motivated because every single one of them is motivated by something different. Like, you know, some are motivated when you wave their graduation and college and future dreams and goals in front of their face saying, oh, you need to do this to achieve them. Others couldn't care less. They don't yeah. understand. Yeah. They're motivated by saying, like, I don't know, if you do this, your parents are going to take away your phone. Which is a whole other issue because parents don't ever do that, it seems. They don't need well, to. And like, for example, uh, we just finished third quarter grades. Mm -hmm. I sent individualized emails to the parent contact 
of all my students who are failing all my classes. So I sent like 30 individual emails. And uh, I would say maybe I got responses in 10 of the emails. Nine of them were something like, Mr. Brown, thank you for telling us this. We'll have a conversation with our son or daughter. And some of those kids who were failing, they turned in all this missing assignments. And I think there was one boy, he even got all the way to an A. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's possible. You got to put yep. in a lot of work. You got to get it done. But I will help you. I will have you know no late penalties, whatever. I'll work with the kids. But there was one parent who did respond to that email and sort of was like angry at me. And the the, the general theme of that parent email was like, you don't understand how hard it is to, for me to motivate my child. And it's like, I'm I'm trying to motivate your child too. I want to be a team here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if the parent was truly mad at me, more just mad at the pandemic. You get frustrated the at the situation, yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I've I've dealt with some some difficult parents during this year in the pandemic. Definitely, uh, it's the it's been a struggle. Well, I think you would have more of that issue than than I would have because my parents don't seem <laughs> to really be that involved all the time or understand what's going on. So yeah. I would did not say I wouldn't say I've dealt with difficult parents. I've just had a difficult time dealing with parents in general because I can't find them. I can't mm. get in contact with them. Uh, so yeah, but I can imagine it is super hard. I've heard stories about parents being being a little crazy during this time. Um, I mean, I don't really blame them though. Like I'm sure you know they're they've got their normal concerns, assuming their kids kind of get settled at school. Yeah. Um, but now we're kind of putting it in the ballpark of the parents to be the disciplinarian and to oversee the kid and to motivate the kid. Which technically should kind I of mean, be the parent's job yes, in a sense, but now yes, they have to do it 24-7 without But it's, we can't yeah. help them. Yeah. We can't really do it virtually the way we could in an in-person school. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, and Brittany, you'll probably immediately agree with me here, but there were plenty of kids at Rancho High School I knew that I was more important to that kid than their own parents were. Not saying that's a good thing necessarily, but there were plenty of kids who had terrible relationships at yep. home and they relied on me to be kind of the adult rock in their life. Yeah, which is sad and I think is a huge, huge part of the problem. Like that's great that you want to take that role, but technically like that's not your job. I it's know, unfortunate. but I have a bleeding heart. Of course heart. you do. Of course you do. I totally get that. But yeah, like that is a huge unfortunate thing in the situation that like we have no control over at all. But uh, yeah, the, I think the parent side of things is super difficult, especially at our school because there's times I can't even contact a parent. I don't know what's going on. And then parents seem that they don't care either. Like a lot of times, you know, the parents, we they we tell them, hey, your kid's been unenrolled because they haven't attended school in forever and they don't even care. Or they like jump on to get them back in and pretend they care for like a day. But it's just because they don't want to get in trouble for their kid not going to school. It's much more about them than their kid. And like situations like that are hard because like can't blame the kid for not caring or not trying hard if that's what their parent is teaching them. Like, hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, it, you, you brought up an earlier point in this conversation that I want to hit on with a student experience I had. So uh, I teach AP level geography to freshmen, okay? Mm -hmm. And usually when it's my in-person class, like for the first like couple weeks, I do all these sort of like, I don't know, welcome to high school, get to know each other, like really build up a rapport. And then I start dumping the, the, the more challenging rigor, the more challenging curriculum on them. And I think for the most part, I adapted that 
I don't know, easy mode version of my class online as best as I could. But then starting around week three, week four, we start getting into writing skills and we start reading college level texts. And every year in person, I usually do lose a couple kids because it's like, I don't know, beyond them. Um, but this year online, I lost probably half my students. And I lost them all right around that period um, because I think in the in the physical classroom, I build that rapport with them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, Mr. Brown can guide us through this tough stuff. Um, but I, I had this one student that I want to uh, highlight. Um, we'll, we'll call her Jane. That was not her name. But uh, Jane um, seemed to be capably intelligent, participated in class well enough. And Jane, uh, she, what is it? She was failing my class largely because she got just, she just didn't do the work. Okay. Like if there was work we did in class, she did that. Mm -hmm. But then homework, she just never did it. And lots of my homework assignments are videos that have questions embedded in them. And Jane didn't attempt like any of the videos. And she had a meeting with me and she said, you know, Mr. Brown, what can I do to improve my grade? And I'm like, watch my videos, Jane. Watch my videos. Yeah. One of the videos was 90 seconds long. And Jane had a 45-minute meeting with me. And she continually asked me, like, I think she was hoping that I would give her, like, the golden snitch Harry Potter reference. Yeah. To just okay. immediately snap her fingers and get an A in my class. But I was like, Jane, log out of this meeting right now watch this video mm -hmm. about population pyramids, answer the two questions, and your grade will slowly begin to improve. Mm -hmm. Jane never watched that video. 90 seconds. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I don't under, like, help me understand that 14-year-old's logic. I don't know if anyone understands the 14-year-old's logic. I think they are just so in the moment. Like, they're just... I don't know, you know, and we would have to ask Jane why she never did it. Like, what was her excuse? What was her reason? Um, yeah, but I run into the same problem with my students, and they sit there, and they they just don't do it. They just don't, and it's like, why? I think they, they come up with reasons why, and they will give you excuses why, but I think at the end of the day, it's just they, they just don't want to. They don't want mm. to do that. They just don't feel like doing it, so they don't. Yeah. Um, and whether that's because like, oh, I'm overwhelmed, I don't feel like doing it, it's stressing me out, or it's just like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I think that emotion just wins because their brains aren't fully developed well, and they and can't fully think of all. I think what it could have been too was, because you're saying they're overwhelmed. Like that week on my Canvas course, I published each one of these YouTube videos individually. So if you were to log into Canvas and look at my class, it would say, for this week, you have to do these 12 things. And I think maybe just that physical number of tasks just kind of shocked Jane's brain into this flight or f fight or flight mode. Yeah. When in reality, you could just start snapping your fingers and you could mm -hmm. end all of those tasks in an hour. Oh, 100%. And I think so much of that is just the format of it. Like, I don't think they, when students don't want to do it and they're not motivated, I don't even think they're like taking in what the task is at all. They're just seeing there's a whole bunch of things listed there's words there's numbers there's buttons to click and like you got to go into modules and go into this and there's just so much involved because it's online instead of just like handing a kid a worksheet saying here you go you know there's so much that they have to do to even get to the assignment and it's yeah i think they go into just like shock factor and yeah. are like i can't deal with this so then they just don't even though if they really just took like a few minutes to just click around and look at it they'd see like 
it's a 90 second video it's writing three sentences about your winter break like so many that was the assignment write three sentences about what you did over winter break like really are you serious you can't get that done but yeah they see it and then they have to click it and then they have to submit it and i think for some students maybe not your students as much that was a whole nother overwhelming thing for them is they don't know how to do some of the little simple technology and, things and and this this is what i expected i expected when this pandemic started that we would invite the students into the school buildings one at a time they would like meet a counselor they'd have their mask on maybe they meet one teacher and we would just we would give them a canvas tutorial mm -hmm. because that's what I would do if it was in-person school. Um, but we never did that. And I think some kids never really learned the tools of the trade. Some, yeah, some kids don't learn canvas, but I think it's even more than that. Cause I have students who don't know how to copy and paste. Oh, Like I have students who have never used a computer before in their lives. Oh. They're probably great on phones, right? Cause everybody has their cell phone now. So we think that they are like super technologically savvy, this new young age, but some of them have never touched a computer. So when you get there and you're like, you upload this document, you submit it onto Canvas, it's not even that they don't understand Canvas, it's they have no idea what it means to upload, to copy and paste. Mm. How to, like so many times, like, you know, for Google Meet, if the link is not clickable, they have no idea how to even get on the Meet. I'm like, mm. well, naturally, you copy, you paste it, there you go, it comes up. But they don't understand that. They don't know that because they've never had to do it before. Well, and one of my students admitted, and this is one of my top AP kids, got a five on the test last year. Yeah. Uh, she told me, like, Mr. Brown, I just learned the control X function mm -hmm. today. This has changed my life. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's an important function to yeah. know for a computer. Because I think they're so used to using their phones. Yeah. And not computers. And I think a lot of the students didn't want to ask for help for that because, like, who would want to ask, like, oh, I don't know how to copy and paste. What does that mean? Like, and I know for a lot of my students, some of the ones who really went downhill, like, maybe they started school a little late and they just assume that everybody else knows what's happening and they're the ones who don't. So they don't want to ask because they feel dumb. And I try to tell my students, like, there's no such thing as a dumb question. What's dumb is sitting there failing because you're not asking for help. Like, yeah. that's the dumb decision here, friend. Like, just just ask well and going off with ask like something that ccsd has done this year is they've set up these kind of mandatory office hours for mm -hmm. teachers and you know I, I guess what my office hour times i can look at the schedule it's an hour after my last period every day and uh, i set up this policy with my students where it's you know you have to tell mr brown you want an office hours meeting and i will you know make a time for you and basically it's just you want to see Mr. Brown after school? You could just see me after school. But I'm not going to just sit in an empty meet and wait for kids to show up. Right. I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, and there have been some kids that have taken up that offer to meet me after school and we talk about their essay writing or their multiple choice testing skills. Um, but that has been maybe seven students. Mm -hmm. And the rest of my 200 plus students mm -hmm. would never, I don't know, uh, some of them definitely need to meet with me and they yep. need to get that one-on-one -on -one help, but it's, I don't know if it's being motivated or maybe there is some of that, I don't know, pride factor or it's, oh, I'm going to be an inconvenience for Mr. Brown. It's like, you're not going to be an inconvenience for me. I want you to all do great. And I, I think it's interesting you bring up the inconvenience because I think that is a big thing for students. I don't know if that's what keeps them from asking for help, but I know pretty much almost any time I get an email from a student, it's sorry to bother you, but... Yes, yes, I get a lot of those. Yes, so I've started telling, like, when I do introductions, like an introduction Miss Marcello video or something like that, like, I start telling them and 
even after individual meetings with student, reassuring them at the end, you're never a bother. Please reach out whenever. I love getting questions from my students. Never feel like it's, you know, you're causing me trouble or anything like that. Like if you have a question or concern or anything, I would love to help you. That's yeah. what I start telling them. Cause like, yeah, almost every student, sorry to bother you. And it makes you think like, well, why do you think I got into this profession? Obviously I'm here for you guys. Like, so it's silly, but yeah. yeah, I think that is an issue. And I think students, I think pride is a huge thing. Uh, well, and not wanting to ask for help. And also with the online learning environment, I found this to be so weird. It's that kids are largely uncomfortable turning their cameras on. Mm -hmm. And there could be many reasons for this. But but what's what I thought was so weird is so the the times where I do have these like after school one-on-one meetings with kids where I'm talking about the writing or whatever, it'll be the whole class, all the kids have their cameras off, no one's turning their mic on, maybe some kids are talking in the text mm -hmm. chat, but then I'll be like, "Okay, let me get this one-on-one meeting with this kid." And so I create the one-on-one -on -one meeting with them, and then immediately the kid turns on their camera, turns on their mic, and they're super social and very interactive with uh -huh. me. But then it's like, okay, let's go back to the main meet. Then the kid turns off their camera and turns off their mic again. And I, I think that there is this social stigma, this fear, and especially with female students, that they don't want to turn on their cameras or else they'll feel like people will judge them. Mm -hmm. And... Like, I, I also know, like, some female students told me, like, oh, Mr. Brown, I can't turn on my camera because I don't look good today. And it's a bad hair day. I get that all the yeah. time. And it's not my hair is not looking good today. Yeah. And it's it's hard to to try to encourage interaction in an online environment when kids aren't comfortable. But but it's like no one's judging you, you know, be be in your sweatpants. Like, no one cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Just. But, but I mean, then think back to you in high school. Like, I mean, or unless maybe you were immune to it, but I, I feel like in high school. I was a nerdy kid. I wore, I didn't care what I wore. Oh, I didn't you didn't care, care about oh, Okay. Well, I feel like it's very common for high okay. schoolers to, you just naturally think like all eyes are on you. People are talking mm. about you, right? So many times I get students, they're like, that girl like looked at me wrong. And I'm like. Did they, though? They probably just, like, glanced over, and it has nothing to do with you. Huh. Oh, yeah, I have kids, like, can you change my class? They looked at me wrong. I'm like, no, no, because they probably didn't look at you wrong at all. You're just thinking that it's all about you, because that's just naturally what we do as people. Yeah. So, yeah, same thing with cameras. They And I think also there there is kind of some realistic fear i think with turning on your camera because some kids are mean and i think mm. kids do hear things like that and when it's on the screen and on the computer i mean it could easily be you know screenshotted and shared and things like that it's not like you're sitting in class and people like have their phone out or taking pictures of you you know like you can do it so secretly not that i think that's happening often but i think that is like a fear for students too is that like you know, they saw it one time that somebody took a picture of this and like made fun of them and blah, 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 blah. So students are like, that could happen to me. I'm not going to turn on my camera. And it's yeah, like, you know, and now, now that you're saying that actually the first day of school, there was a boy who had his camera on and he stuck his feet up on his desk. And for reasons I don't understand, he had a dramatic fall and like broke his chair and his feet were upside down. Uh -huh. It was hilarious. Mm -hmm. But of and of course I laughed because the kid did it in such an outrageously stupid way. <laughs> yeah, like a cartoon. But, but overall, like now that what you're saying is I'm reflecting, I was like, huh, like, like, it it wasn't right for us to laugh at him. 
Um, but the boy did give us this personality that he was kind of a goofy trickster jokester okay, yeah. boy. So, so okay maybe he it. was doing it for the laughs. But maybe maybe it was kind of a, a making fun of him thing too. So I'm I'm just reflecting in that world. Yeah, and I mean anything could be recorded, and I think kids are like kind of aware of that more so. I mean you would you wish that you almost wish they were more aware of that because they still do stuff and then it gets recorded and you're like why'd you do that but i think like that's another thing it's like a paranoia thing you can't tell who's recording your screen who's looking at you and you're just like hey you know cameras aren't the best angles like (laughs) could be a little unflattering who knows you know i don't know i don't like to have my camera on either so i get it i turn mine on obviously especially if it's one-on-one with a kid but like i can kind of feel that like i don't want to have my camera on in the middle of a staff meeting with everybody it's kind of awkward um, yeah. and i think especially if some students are having it off you don't want to be the weird student who has it on uh, well yeah in, in most of my periods i do have one weird kid that does have the camera yeah on. some do and the kid the kid just owns it yeah he's like got my camera on mr brown what's yeah. up and i'm like what's and up you, kid? you kind of love that about them right you yeah. love those kids but yeah. i think like as they slowly started turning it off it's just like you give in to that pressure of like, oh, okay, I guess we yeah, turn guess off I our cameras. I don't want to be the one who has my camera on. And then more eyes are on you because there's less people with the cameras on. So you just fade away to the back. Whereas, yeah. I don't know, if we all just had them on and it was just the normal thing, I think it would be fine. We show up to school every day and everybody sees you. So yeah. there you go. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do agree that's probably more of a girl thing than a boy thing. But that's what society has done to the female population. So... <sighs> I don't know. What can you do, you know? <laughs> Inspire girls and, and, and cheer yeah. them on through everything. And you know? help change boys' perspective of girls as well, I think. That is true, too. They that is true. They are not just things to be looked at. I, I have called out sexism in my classroom Good many a time. Good for you. And and also, like, there, there are times when, like, uh, gosh, I, I always do it in this really clever way. You know, it's like uh, one of my female students... Mr. Brown, do you think I look pretty today? And like, I, I'll, I'll always say yes, but in a not creepy way. Yeah, there's, a, there's a line there. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like you're always just like, it's acknowledging and appreciating kids, especially the kids that you know have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And and I, I really, like, I think something that makes me kind of unique as an educator is you put a, a teenager in front of me and I will find a way to connect with that teenager. Yeah. And I'll be like, you are cool because of X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you, at Rancho, like bef- before school, there was all these kids coming to hang out with me. Some of them were like the, I don't know, popular kids in school. Some of them were the loser kids mm-hmm. in school. And usually like I'd start a conversation with one of them and then the other kid would come in and I would just create this common Love community. It. Love it. That's awesome. And yeah. And it's just valuing each student. Um, look, did, did I connect with every student I've had? No, I haven't. But I tried, yeah. Brittany. I certainly tried to connect with every yeah. kid who's ever been in my class. And there's only so much you can do with yeah. that. I mean, putting in your best effort is, is enough. That's that's what we're tasked to do. Yes. I, I am afraid in this world of the pandemic, I, I have connected with some kids in my classroom, okay? And I have tried to connect with every kid who's willing to turn on their mic, turn on their camera mm-hmm. to participate. Mm-hmm. But this year, there's going to be 30, 40% of my students who I don't know. Yeah. And it, like, the joy of this job is me creating that rapport yeah. with teenagers. Mm-hmm. 
and I feel that this year is just such a yeah. a, a letdown yeah. for what the normal Mr. Brown experience mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's un- unfortunate for you because you won't have your kids again either. So you just well, I I teach you? freshmen and sophomores. Okay, so you might get some so of I them. might get some of these freshmen I've met again. Yeah, um, which I think that would be really cool because then they yeah. get to actually meet you and In see person. you and yeah, like I think that will be a really cool experience for sure. But I agree, it's it's hard even for my kids. I mean, I follow them and I had them when they were ninth graders, but it's like almost like I have to re learn who they are and like so like a part of my journey with them was taken you know yeah. i don't know but we make the best of it what can what can we do you know and when they come back and we do get to see them i think just make that a bigger deal than it's ever been like the part of building that rapport and like establishing those relationships yeah. i know when i see them again i'm gonna be like oh my gosh tell me everything about your life like what did you watch on netflix yes like what have you been doing <laughs> i missed you so Hmm. Yeah, and like so, we're I'm only gonna see students individually four times uh, in our hybrid return to school, and I'm, I've talked to a lot of my teacher friends about how are you gonna handle the classroom, what are you gonna do with the kids in the classroom, and I've decided I'm gonna resurrect my four best lessons, and they're all these very kind of social lessons, but with the COVID nineteen restrictions, it's gonna be not as social but i'm i'm gonna edit them and mold them in a way that they'll work um because i feel that the kids who are returning to the building they're coming because they're they're missing out on that Mm -hmm. social experience in high school and yeah we still gotta wear masks yeah we still gotta socially distance but whatever i can do within those boundaries i'm gonna give it a shot Mm -hmm. yeah that's like a good point like so not a lot of students are returning, but like acknowledging the reason why are they returning? Because yeah. so many of them aren't, because they're like, whatever. There's two months left of school. This is pointless. Which I guess yeah, 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 okay. But yeah, like I don't think I even really thought about that. Acknowledging like, okay, this student's coming back for like a reason. Why yeah. is that? So we need to make the most of that. And make sure we're meeting whatever need that is. Hmm, that's a good thought. Yeah. Same. Put that in my put that in my pocket when i go back Ooh, to work <laughs> okay yeah well but but you're already saying how you're every kid you meet you're gonna be so excited to see i mean and, i am yeah that's and, the goal that's... that's the goal i feel like i'm preaching it like i'm great at it but uh, <laughs> that's the intention when i step in the building well hey, happen, uh... it, it, intention is is how we do this job yeah yeah okay well i, I don't know Brittany. is there any other uh, topics you'd like to discuss on the podcast today I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, there, I think there's some good stuff in here. I think uh, I think you're quite a capable uh, person at your job. Yeah, I appreciate that. I hope so. I mean, yeah. it would be a bummer if I wasn't. I mean, you're, you're definitely the only high school counselor that I'm, like, friends with. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, so you, you, you know your stuff. And uh, it was especially when we connected with some students that we both shared. And I was like, huh, like... Brittany's really helping this kid out. She's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. But same for you. I mean, sometimes there's teachers that are not the funnest to interact with or not the most helpful. Uh, I can't say that about you. Every time we've had to interact and work with a student, it's always been very, very clear that you care about them and know what you're doing and 
aren't just there for I don't know I can't even say teachers are there to collect a paycheck because really it's like go do something else if you're just trying to collect a yeah, paycheck yeah if you're trying to collect a paycheck I can point you at some higher something salary a little more jobs. lucrative yeah. yeah yeah but no I agree same for you yeah okay all right well thanks for listening to the modern educator podcast if you have any questions about the podcast send me an email at modern educator or vegas modern educator at gmail.com thanks so much bye bye